Hello again. Glad to have Jackson and the crew back. We missed you. Good to have you back. Uh, if you uh, have your Bibles handy, I want to kind of direct you to three different passages of Scripture. You've been making your way there. We are in three passages in this series you can see behind me called Following Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We're also looking at a passage out of Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. And our final passage is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, what is known as the commissions of these books um, and Matthew 28, known as the Great Commission, but it's rather a great commandment. We're walking through following Jesus with the intent of, of understanding how we pick up the mission, the ministry, and the message of Jesus Christ in the same way in which He did it while He was on this earth. The Bible says that we are empowered by the same Spirit that Christ had that is dwelling inside of us, that gives us everything we need for godliness and the life that God has placed before us. We began in this series that following Jesus begins by us recognizing that Jesus has the authority. He has the authority of God. He has the authority as the Son of God. And now He's to have the authority over our life. As we saw these four individuals come, make that statement that He is not only their Savior, but He is their Lord, which means their Master. And, and we continue to understand that more and more as we grow in our relationship with God. But Jesus began in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 saying that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then we spent some time understanding, recognizing Jesus' authority over our life. And then that moves us into action. Because following Jesus requires action. Jesus says in verse 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now jump with me to Matthew chapter 24. Or, sorry, Luke chapter 24, uh, beginning in verse 44. Then he, being Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And finally, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth." We already mentioned following Jesus begins by recognizing His authority. Following Jesus requires us to take action. And finally, we're going to be looking at this morning that following Jesus calls for addition. Now, I was pretty excited when I told Jamie that for every series, message, title, and every point that we have in following Jesus, it begins with an A. Um, and she looked at me and said, that's cool. Um, and so I understand that's probably not as cool to you as I am. But that's what it is. At, uh, authority. Action, and today we're looking at addition. It recognizes that I recognize Jesus' authority. It leads to a life of individual and public action 
which leads to addition. And we can see how this even unfolds. If you're not familiar with Harvest Hill or if you are, the heartbeat of what we call Harvest Hill. We begin by meeting Jesus, understanding that He has the authority to forgive us of our sins and salvation is through Him alone. We meet Him and then God wants to mature us in our relationship with Him so that we might be on mission for the kingdom of God for the sake of multiplication. This is what we're unfolding and following Jesus. Now, last week I shared about our annual trip down to Gulf Shores with my uh, in-laws and my, my wife's family. Now my in-laws are here, so I have to behave myself a little bit. Um, so you don't tell them anything we talked about last week. <laughs> Just kidding. Ha ha ha. My parents are here too. But, um, you know, we, we follow uh, Danny, which is my wife's uh, dad. Uh, we follow him down to Gulf Shores. He knows the route. He knows how to get there. But there are times where we are going places and we don't necessarily know where we're going or how to get there. Matter of fact, when we moved back to Stratford, there are places that you all told me you wanted to meet for lunch or to meet for an event or an occasion. And I did not know what you were talking about, but um, I agreed. And then I pulled up the handy dandy phone app. Y'all have that handy dandy phone app, the GPS or the Google app or whatever name you want to give it on your phone. You ever use that stupid thing and it tells you to go to the wrong place? You ever got to cast Satan out of it? You ever got to drive somewhere and you're looking around and you're realizing that the phone app or the GPS has put you in a place you probably wouldn't have chosen to be there if you made the choice of directions? Or it tells you you are in a particular place but that's not necessarily the place you were wanting to be. Isn't that annoying? Well, the same thing can happen when we follow Jesus and we, we get onto the wrong GPS or the wrong roadmap or the wrong location, and this is why we're going through this. It can look a lot like this video right here. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club. Other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know. You lose everything and everything falls apart and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not Stop yelling. yelling. There's no road here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Are you okay? Swim for it! I got you! I got you! Unlike that GPS, when following Jesus, we don't want to end up in those sort of situations in life. None of us want to end up in a in a wreck or in a disaster. And this is why Jesus, when he comes to calling us or commanding us to follow him, he gives us a GPS book. He gives us a roadmap that we can turn to and he gives us directions so we can end up in the right place at the right location and at the right time. 
And in following Jesus, it begins with the authority, it leads to action, and it finally leads to addition. Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 19, He says, Go, therefore, that is a continuous action. You are to continually be doing this. And Jesus, what are we to continually be doing? You are to continually be making disciples of all nations. See, following Jesus is the addition with intention. It's addition with intention. Jesus says not just to go and be busybodies, not just to go and look like you're active in this world, but you're to go with the intention of doing something. And what is that to do? You are to begin making disciples. Jesus gives us this roadmap. He gives us this plan. He gives us the purpose that God wants to use us in this life, that we would be reproducing disciples. Now, Jesus' disciples would have understood what that meant. In the world of the Jewish people, a disciple is one who would follow a teacher, a rabbi, someone who was in a place of authority, and they would look to that individual, and they would basically become their shadow over the period of time with the understanding of this, that at one point in time, their rabbi, their teacher, their master would hand over the reins to them that they would then become the disciple maker. And so in the world of Judaism, they would follow this rabbi, this teacher, and they would pour into them the scriptures, and they would pour into them understanding and pour in, into them the, the knowledge of God for the purpose. Not that they would store all this up and have all this information inside them, but for the purpose that they, they would then pass that on to the next generation. This is what God wants to do with you and me. This is part of following Jesus Christ, that we allow God to pour into our lives, maybe through other people or through books or through seminars and conferences and preachers, all for the purpose of not for us having this massive knowledge of God and understanding of the scriptures, but that we in turn would start pouring into others' lives. See, following Jesus is addition by the intentionality that I'm going to pour into other people's lives. As God pours into me his word and his truth and his love and his grace and his mercy, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to begin pouring into others that they can come to this understanding. And Jesus, in discipling his, his disciples, constantly and always turned back to the scripture. So that's where we turn to. We, we turn to the scriptures and understanding that for me to, uh, to go through this life of addition and following Jesus Christ, I first have to turn to the scriptures. See, I can't follow Jesus and I can't lead into addition into other people's lives unless I am first a follower. I personally have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I personally have to be investing in this relationship to which I have been saved by the grace of God to have. I have to be a follower of Jesus. And so I have to personally be in the word of God. It can't just come from a preacher or a pastor or a teacher or some book about the word of God. I have to be in the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 119 verse 105 that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my, into my path. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching of life. The reproofs of discipline are the way of life. This word is to guide us. It is our GPS for us to follow Jesus, to be a learner, which is what disciple means. I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you have, been in a room or a cave at some point in time where the lights go out and it is complete darkness. Can't even see your hand in front of your face. Ever been there? 
As a child, it can be intimidating. But this is the world in which we live. We live in a world that is surrounded by complete darkness. They turn to itching ears. They turn to the enemy who masquerades himself as an angel of light but cannot portray light. And so we go out as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We go out into that. And the only way that we can navigate and not end up into a disaster is that we are in the word of God, allowing it to lead us and it to guide us and that's to be on the right path. Because the Bible is very clear. There are two gates and two paths to life. One leads to life and one to destruction. And for us to remain on the path that leads to life, we have to remain into the word of life, the living word. That way we can go out into this world and we can do what Jesus calls us and commands us to do as we follow him. As we go out into a world of darkness and people are going down a path and a road that leads to destruction and we can be the means that God uses to call them out of that. But again, it begins by us being in his teachings and in his word. The Bible says that rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, our intentionality, my intentionality to be in the Word of God impacts my ability to love God and to love people. My being in God's word enables me, empowers me, gives me the perspective that I might love God and worship God. And when I leave this place, that I can love people the way God commands me to love them. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 31, that there is no commandment greater than these, that we would love God and love people. And Matthew 22, verse 40 says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The challenge for us this morning, if we are already God's people, disciples of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be obedient to the call to follow Jesus Christ, is that we be in the Word of God personally. I know you're busy. I know you've got a schedule full of things to do, and you've got places to be and places to go. I I understand that completely. You're, You're just like everyone else in this world. And Satan will try to take every moment of time that you have in this life to keep you from being in the Word of God. So what you have to do is you can't make time. You've got to take it. You have to set aside the time that I'm going to be in God's Word. You may be a morning person. That's best for you. You may have an hour lunch break, and instead of going to the break room and reading the paper or getting into the business gossip, you just go and you get into your Word. You may be an afternoon person. You may be an evening person. I don't know, but what I do know, it is imperative that we as God's people, if we're going to be following Jesus Christ, that we be in the Word of God. We have to be there. And this is what is going to lead us to be the church that God needs us to be. In order us for us, Harvest Hill to love God and love people, which we proudly proclaim on our church van as we drive through the streets of Stratford. And the only way for us to do that is if we as God's people are in God's Word every day. Every day. It may just be a verse, it may be a chapter, it may be a clump of chapters, but every single day. If you need help, let me just give you an idea of where to start. So this is April 29th. There are 30 days in April, right? 
So for the month of April, one thing that I've done since there are 30 days is I read five chapters of Psalms a day. So by the end of this month, by tomorrow, I've read the complete book of Psalms. That's 150 chapters. On days that have 31 uh, days in their month, like next month we'll have, I'll, I'll make sure that I read at least one chapter of the Proverbs a day. And so I'll read the complete book of Proverbs within that month. For you, that, that may be just a starting point. That may be where you need to start. But that isn't the only place where I read the Bible. But I make sure that no matter how busy my schedule is, no matter how many places I'm pulled in every direction, that I set time to do that because it is for my personal edification. It is so I can have the Word of God inside of me as I prepare to go out into a world that is shrouded by darkness. And what we see in Scripture is addition is the heart of God. You go back to Genesis, and on the third day of creation, God begins creating vegetation, and from there all the way to day six, He creates man. And in every single one of those things that He created, that were living things, He says, be fruitful and multiply according to your kind. At the end of the flood, Noah comes out and makes a sacrifice. God commands Noah, you need to be fruitful and multiply. Abram, when he was, before he had an heir to become the great nation that God promised that he would be, he told him, you need to be exceedingly fruitful. See, multiplication, addition is the heart of God, and so it continues as us as God's people, as followers of him, that we are to produce the fruit of Christ or the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, Following Jesus is addition that we bear fruit according to our kind. And what is our kind? Well, if you call yourself a Christian, then your kind is that you bear fruit according to Jesus Christ. That's what you go out into the world. That's the fruit you bear. That's the addition that you're making is that people are seeing Jesus Christ in you and coming out of you. And it's beginning to bear fruit according to your kind. To make disciples, Jesus would have been teaching his disciples this for the past three years as he poured into their lives. But it's kind of a foreign concept for us today. We don't say, you know, you're going to become a disciple so much as you're going to become a Christian or a believer. But the words are synonymous. That if I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple. If I'm a disciple, I'm a follower. And who am I following? Jesus Christ. And so how do I become a disciple? I have to recognize the authority of God. And I have to recognize the knowledge of God. So we can't do discipleship on our own, and we can't make disciples on our own. About a year ago, um, believe it or not, a year ago, we started tearing down walls to do a kitchen. You believe it's been a year? About this time last year, we were on Wednesday Night Live, wrapped up once again. That first weekend right after Wednesday Night Live, we grabbed some hammers and some guys and some gals, and we started knocking down walls. If you weren't here a year ago, if you look back in that back corner over Mike Marler's head, Mike, you want to, there's Mike, yeah. Good back row Baptist going, yeah. All right, so right there, there used to be a window, and it's no more. The kitchen used to be several feet smaller, and we extended that out. Um, that was not because of me, because the funny thing, if you don't believe God has a sense of humor, you need to get to know God a little bit better, okay? Because I have no construction or carpentry knowledge whatsoever, but God continues to put these things in my lap as a pastor. And I don't know why he does it, besides he's just like, this, hey, angels, this is going to be funny. Watch Pastor Mike. <laughs> 
I'm serious, and I feel like I'm on a sitcom for God. But I knew this is what we needed to do because we have this incredible ministry to kids and families, and, and we've been able to use that for our community already, and it's just been a huge benefit. But knowing that I had no ability whatsoever to do it, I had to turn to other individuals, which I think and believe that's why God does that. Is that I can't rely upon my own ability, my own knowledge, my own authority. And, and sometimes I want to. So I had to turn to individuals, and I'm so thankful. He's not in here, but I did ask if I could talk about him. Uh, Mr. Mike Matheny. Uh, oh, there you are. Oh, you, you, you jumped seats on me, buddy. Man, don't you know we assign these things? All right, so, uh, so Mike, Mike he, he just felt God leading that he was going to take this on and Richard Campbell and, and they were like, okay, we can do this. And so one Saturday morning I show up, we were going to have a work day. We'd already torn down the walls. And so now it's like, let's try to make this thing look like a kitchen. And so we get here about eight o'clock and the work day is going to start at nine. And Mike shows up and he's like, well, let me go look around and see what we need to make this kitchen. And I really liked that because he said, we make and I was like, yeah, I'm part of the team, right? And so he's walking around, and I hear him muttering this and that, and like not, not bad muttering, like good muttering, and this and that. And then he comes back and says, okay, this is what we're going to need. And he starts rattling off all these things. And, and because of my lack of knowledge and my lack of authority, I, I was like a guy in every situation. And guys, when we don't understand what is being said, what do we do? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Yep, flux capacitor, yep, infinity stone, uh-huh, do or do not, there is no try, fourth and ten, got it, yep, uh-huh, good. And so he goes off and says, you, you got that, and I was like, uh, I tell you what, Mike, that sounds great, why don't we make a list? I like lists, I go to grocery store for two things, I have a list, and make sure my two things, and so Mike, yeah, we can do that, because I mean, he had the heart of Jesus. You know, we can do that. That's great. So he pulls out the pencil behind the ear, which I think that's like the first sign you know they know what they're talking about when they got the pencil <laughs> right there. And, he, and it's either there or it's deep in the pocket. And he, start, he goes over the same thing that he just told me. Um, and so some of the words are starting to sound familiar, but I don't speak crush, constructionese at all. And so he's writing these things down, and, and as he's going, I'm still like, yeah, there is no spoon. Yeah, the do or do not, there's no try. May the force be with you. And, and I, you know, that's kind of where I was. I had no idea what he was talking about. And so he said, all right, here's the list. Why don't you go get it? And in my head, I'm thinking, dude, we were shopping buddies. And we had gone on already one shopping trip together, and we, I thought we bonded. And now he is sending me out on my own because he says, I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to start getting started and stuff. You go, you get it, you bring it back. You got my list. And so I thought, okay, I got my list. Um, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me because that's the context of that verse. Um, and so I headed off to the stores before Joe and Nicole owned their, their store, so I couldn't go to you. I had to go to another one. And and I figure, if, I don't know what it is, I'll at least ask people. But at 8.30 in the morning on a Saturday, stores aren't usually fully uh, stocked with people. And so anybody I did ask, they would just tell me an aisle. And they wouldn't, like, take me and show me. And so I had this list going off. And eventually it got to the point where I had to take a picture. Do you remember this? And I would send you the picture. See, I'm not lying. The thing is, Mike didn't respond to my, my picture text, and so I had to call him and say, hey, um, is that right? And, and here's what he said. 
that could work. <laughs> now, I don't speak constructionese, but you men who are married, you know marriageanese. And when you have this mind-blowing idea that you share with your wife and you say, hey, honey, let's do this and this and this, and she responds, we could do that. What does that mean, gentlemen? <laughs> it ain't happening. <laughs> And so when I hear Mike in his very Christ-like, patient manner with me saying, you know what, that could work, I got the translation. If that would work, we would do that, but that's not going to work. And so he, he, I believe, and he probably won't say because I believe he got to the point where he's like, just take a picture of everything in front of me and send it to me, and I'll tell you what to get. Because I, I got back with the stuff, and he had to send me back because I got the wrong stuff still, even though I had the list, even though I had pictures. Here's the thing. I was out of my element in that construction carpentry thing. I can hang pictures, paint walls, lift stuff, hold stuff. I'll be more than happy to do all that. I had to turn to someone who had more knowledge and more authority on the subject to do what needed to be done. I didn't always do it right. And so when it comes to our own personal discipleship and our disciple-making, we have to turn to the one who is in authority and in knowledge so we can do it right. If you're turning to anything other than the Scriptures for your personal edification, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I know there are things that are beneficial, but this is where you need to go first. And if you're wanting to disciple your home and your kids and, and be a disciple-maker in your, in your workplace or, or wherever you find yourself, you have to turn to the Word of God. It is the only authority in our life to do what we need to do in following Jesus Christ. It is our source. And so we have to be intentional about allowing God to pour His Word into our life so that we can be intentionally pouring God's Word into other people's lives so that we may be disciple makers. But go back with me to Mark chapter 28 real quick. Notice that Jesus doesn't just say, go make disciples, but he says, this is where you are to make disciples. You are to make them into in, to all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's something we need to fully understand about following Jesus. Following Jesus is the addition that breaks discrimination. It is the addition that breaks discrimination. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, I want you to go just to Jerusalem and to Judea, to the people you mostly associate yourself with, to the people you have the most things in common with, but he was telling this group of Jewish men, you're going to go into Samaria. You're going to go into a place where you have deep-rooted prejudices towards these people because you believe they're half-breeds and you're going to take the message that God loves them. You're going to go to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, to the Romans, to the Syrians, the Persians. You're going to go to the places of the people who have kept you in slavery and captivity. You're going to go to those people because when I'm following Jesus, here's what I have to have happen in my life. It has to change my perspective. I don't see people by their nationality. I don't see people as American or Russian or North or South Korean. I don't see people by their political allegiance, whether they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Tea Party, Coffee Party, Kool-Aid Party. I don't see that anymore. I don't even see people by what town they come from, <clears throat> Fairgrove. I don't see that anymore. 
All I see is people that they are either saved or they're unsaved. That's it. That is the, the only thing that now as I'm following Jesus Christ and He is transforming me to be more like Him. That is all I'm seeing in people. That they either know Jesus and they are being discipled and so they may disciple others or they have yet to come to the faith and they need to know Jesus. That's the only lens I have anymore. This is what Jesus was preparing his disciples when he says to go to Jerusalem. Let's just put this in perspective. It had been 40 days, just over a month, since they saw their Lord and Savior crucified at the hands of the Jewish people. This was a hostile city to anybody who proclaimed Jesus to be the Son of God. And Jesus says, we're not backing down. You're going into that city and you're taking the message of the gospel and you're going to proclaim it. So you're going to go into those places that you are closest and have the most things in relation to these people, the most things in common with these people. And so disciple-making begins with the people who are closest to us, the people that live under our roof, the people we spend the most time to. I'm, I'm thankful to say that I was raised in a Christian home, and my parents who are here, I'm not saying because this was here, it was already in my notes. My, my parents, they, they brought me to church and allowed me to be discipled into the Word of God so that I could become the person that God needed me to be today, and He's still continuing the good work in me. I'm thankful for that, and I believe my brother would say the same thing if he doesn't just... Skip his Christmas presents. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You are responsible for your family and your home, that your home will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, that's where it starts. I have to be discipling my kids, and it doesn't end now that both of my kids are baptized. Now it's I've got to be training them up in, this, in the faith and training them up in the ways of God and the Word of God so they can know Him better and fall in love with Him more and be aware of His presence. It begins there. It begins with the people that I love the most in my life and have the most things in common. He says, Judea. Those people that I associate with and I have the most things in common in my life, it, it's those people you work with. Jesus says, go and you are to make disciples of your workplace. Students, you are to go into your hallways, into your extracurricular activities, and you are to go to this place and you are to make disciples. You're not just on a team because you made the team. You're on the team because God puts you on the team. You're in the band because God puts you in the band. You're, you're in your club or your organization because that's where God puts you for the sake of addition. And then Jesus steps it up. He says, you're going to go to Samaria too. It's not just going to be with the people you like and the people you get along with. You're going to break out of this Christian bubble and you're going to go to places that you look down and you have the most prejudices and discriminations to because the gospel breaks down walls. It sees that everybody has been loved by God and needs to know that God loves them and Jesus Christ died for them. God doesn't look at people as skin color. He looks at people that are made in his image and likeness, and he wants to restore that image and likeness through his son, son Jesus Christ. And here's the awesome thing. He wants to use you and me to do it. Jesus was ridiculed by the crowds of religious people because of the people he continuously hung out with. They even called him a Samaritan at one time. How awesome would it be if we as a church are ridiculed by the people around us because we continually to associate ourselves with the lost instead of remaining in a Christian bubble? They're always bringing 
Those people, the church, they're always picking them up. They're always inviting them. You better believe it because Jesus died for them. Jesus tells us to break down these walls, and it doesn't just in there. He says, you're to go to the ends of the earth. Luke chapter 24 says, you're to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in my name to the ends of the earth. See, we are to be about disciple-making, about additions to all the places that we go in this life. That's following Jesus. That's the purpose to which God has given us as we go about our day to day. We no longer see people as obstacles or irritations, but we see people in need of a Savior. Every year, and it's about that time again, we get to go to the voting polls and and vote about who's going to be in what position. Every year it comes out at that time, you know, if you don't vote, what shouldn't you do? Complain, right? If you don't vote, don't complain. Let's put that in Christian perspective. If we're so tired of seeing sin run rampant, We're so tired of seeing the devil kill our teenagers and our youth, destroy our marriages, destroy our families, rip apart our homes. If we're so tired of that, then let's go out with the gospel message. Otherwise, we can't complain. Because if we're keeping it to ourselves, we've got, we're the problem. We have the cure inside of us for a world that is lost in sin. So we may not agree with their practices. We may not agree with what they're doing or their life choices. We may not agree with their past. By guarantee, they probably don't agree with some things in your life either. But we go out with the lens that these people need Jesus. And those people who, do need, who already have Jesus, they need to grow in their relationship with Jesus. See, it doesn't end here. I become a disciple so I can make a disciple. And that's how we live past our our lifetime here on this earth because at one point in time it's going to end. And I don't know where you are this morning. You may be here and you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He died for your sins and rose again, but you've yet to make it publicly known. You've yet to follow in the waters of baptism. Like I said, this isn't the means of your salvation, but I guarantee you it's going to be hard to make disciples if, if you're not going to start here. And so... Maybe this is what you need to do. Maybe when we come this time of invitation, you just need to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I believe and I want to be baptized. But maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe you just need to meet Jesus. So here's what you need to know. There's a God in heaven who created everything, and he knows you and loves you. He knows everything about your life. There's not a thing in your life that is hidden from him. All those dark secrets, he knows them, and he loves you, and he created you for a relationship with him. But the Bible says that we all have a sin issue. We have a sin problem that is separating us from the love of God and a relationship with God. And so what we want to do as people is we want to try to patch up our sin problem on our own. So we know we go to church. We we start reading the Bible because that's what the preacher said we should do today. We start reading our Bible. We start singing songs and and we throw a little money in the offertory plate and, and we go to church events and we do all the things that we think we should do. But here's the thing. People do all the things they think they should do and they still end up in hell because you cannot work or earn your salvation. You cannot do enough good stuff. I mean, how much stuff would be good enough for someone to die for you? And God knows that. 
So God sent his son to pay our price, to take our penalty, to take our sin upon him. And God's wrath, his judgment, his, his fury fell upon his son, Jesus Christ. And his son said, it is finished. He said, I, I have fulfilled the law of God. I have fulfilled the requirements of God for Pastor Mike. They placed him in a tomb and he rose three days later. And the Bible says, when I believe that God loves me that much, I may not understand it all right now, but I believe God loves me that much. I believe that story is true. And, and I believe Jesus Christ rose again that I might be forgiven. The Bible says, when I believe it in my heart, I'm to confess it with my mouth and I will be saved. And that may be where you need to be this morning. I don't know what is holding you back. Maybe it's the person you came with. But it's not between you and that person. It's between you and God. So I'm going to be down here. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. And you want to begin this following Jesus and becoming his disciple. Man, it's so awesome. The heavens erupt when that happens. Maybe you're here and you're already a child of God, but you know you've been kind of lukewarm about your own personal discipleship, and you just need to make a commitment to God. You may not need to talk to me. You just may need to kneel before the Father. And just tell him you're sorry and that you want to be more intentional about this relationship. If you don't have a Bible, find me. I'll get one to you before you leave. But I believe God has put it before us that now we need to turn to him because he's given us a job to do while we're here on this earth. However you need to respond, now's the time to do it. Unless Jackson come up, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Lord, thank you for just giving us a huge, huge responsibility of, of addition, of making disciples, of making followers of you, of, of being believers. And Father, I pray for those here this morning who have yet to make that, that confession of faith known. Right now your spirit is speaking to their heart and they've got this inner wrestling match going on and they don't know if they should move or not. Father, I just ask that in this moment your spirit just gives them the reassurance and the peace just when we stand up, they just walk down the aisle and let it be known they want to be saved. Father, for those who have already confessed you as Lord and Savior but have yet to follow you in baptism, Father, weigh upon their hearts and minds that that needs to change. They need to start with that act of obedience to let them know that, you are, that they are united with you in your death and resurrection. For us here who are already your children, Lord, forgive us those times that we just waste hours in front of the TV and computer and on the phone. Just waste away instead of hearing your voice speaking to us. Thank you for your grace. and Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are faithful. And thank you, Lord, for calling us to this place by your will we can just repent of that and, and Lord just to be with you we love you Lord in this moment is time as we've heard your word let us respond to your word let us not just be hearers only but doers we hand this time over to you and as your spirit just to continue to have your way with us we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ if you need to respond I'll be down here I invite you to come here.